We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Last week, President Biden proposed the billionaire minimum income tax, a new tax which would serve as a way to bring down the federal budget deficit and seal any loopholes the rich relied on to lower their tax bills. Big corporations and super wealthy have to start paying their fair share of taxes. It's long overdue. I'm not out to punish anyone. I'm a capitalist. If you can make a million or a billion dollars, that's great. God bless you. All I'm asking is you pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. Just like middle class folks do. While the thought of yet another tax might make many groan over their yet-to-be-completed filings, some experts believe that it could actually improve tax season-related woes, and more. IRS documents released in the past show us that billionaires such as Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Warren Buffett have paid little income tax compared to their actual wealth, leaving the rest of us to struggle through stressful tax seasons, all of which are filled with frustrating paperwork, confusing messaging, and little help from the IRS. The sad truth is, tax filings can impact one's personal finances drastically. The number one reason that students um, don't pursue an education or can't continue their education or struggle from term to term is financial. This week on Connect the Dots, we'll explore Biden's proposal a bit more and see exactly how it impacts the billionaire class, but we'll also learn how working class taxpayers stand to benefit too. Joining us this week is Alan Auerbach, a professor of economics at the University of California, Berkeley, as well as the director of the Center for Tax Policy and Public Finance. He is going to talk to us a little bit about how the tax will work and how it could change the IRS. We'll also speak with Dr. Tim Libretti, a Politics USA contributing writer, professor, and associate dean of English for the College of Arts and Sciences at Northeastern Illinois University. With him, not only will we discuss the real-world impact of tax cuts, but we'll discuss how political messaging influences the way we think about taxes in the U.S. as a whole. Buckle up. We're in for quite a ride. I'm Dempsey Pallott, and this is Connect the Dots from Odyssey. What the proposal would do is it would, for only a very select group of people, people whose wealth is over $100 million, so that's a very small number of people. That's Professor of Economics Alan Auerbach. I mean, it refers to it as a billionaire's tax, but actually 100 millionaires. Uh, it would uh, tax their, not just their regular income, but it would uh, impose a tax, a, a so-called minimum tax, 
that is a, a tax that is imposed if their other taxes aren't aren't as high, uh, if their regular taxes aren't as high. It would pose a, impose a minimum tax of 20% on a very comprehensive measure of income. It would include not just the income that they would normally pay taxes on, but all of the uh, unrealized capital gains that they've accumulated over the years. Now, because the finance world can be a little taxing at times, Connect the Dots producer Sidney Fishman sat down with him to get a better understanding of just how big a deal Biden's proposal really is. And of course, for, for people like this who have enormous, have enormous amounts of wealth, a lot of that wealth is in the form of assets that they've never sold. So there'll be substantial capital gains. So for example, for a person who has $5 billion in wealth, which, you know, that person, you know, started with nothing and then built up a company or something, that $5 billion would be added to the person's regular income. Uh, and then a 20% tax would be imposed on that. Uh, it wouldn't be collected all at once, it would be collected over, a, a, you know, the current and succeeding nine years, but it would still be a very substantial tax relative to what these people are paying now. As Auerbach puts it, Biden's plan doesn't just aim to tax the wealthy. It also aims to tax the additional wealth that the wealth have made since becoming, well, wealthy. This is not the first time that the profits of the upper class have been targeted for taxation, much less the subject of political conversation. In 2017, former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio tried to impose a millionaire's tax to fund the city's tumultuous subway system. And a little less than two years ago in Illinois, billionaire Governor J.P. Pritzker tried to institute a graduated income tax, similar to one in place at the federal level. Funny enough, this effort failed in part due to messaging from a political committee funded by fellow billionaire Ken Griffin. But why the rich? Is there another reason besides the obvious fact that they just have more disposable income? If we ask the question, uh, why should billionaires pay taxes? It's again, for the services they receive. That's Dr. Libretti, political commentator, professor, and associate dean at Northeastern Illinois University. Now, Connect the Dots producer Lauren Berry and Dr. Libretti discussed his stance on the billionaire tax and why he believes taxes are so often misrepresented and misunderstood. Why should billionaires pay taxes? They should pay taxes, you know, just like the, the rest of us do for the services that we get. And again, taxpayers, to your point, Lauren, are, are often confused because we don't talk about taxes in this way. We talk about taxes as something we pay, but rarely uh, do our politicians, our media, even our pundits that you see on TV, stop and talk about what our taxes do for us. So if you walk into a restaurant, Lauren, do you call yourself a bill payer or do you call yourself a diner? Mm -hmm. My guess is you call yourself a diner and you understand when you walk in that you're going in to hopefully get a delicious meal and you expect to pay for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, paying for the for our roads, for our schools, you know, um, you know, for healthcare structures, all these kinds of things, um, we actually pay less for when we pool our money together to pay for taxes. There are a lot of ifs to Biden's tax proposal, though, and two things would need to happen. 
say Biden's 2020-23 budget gets approved, which requires the right amount of votes, which in recent years has been a bit of a problem. Should it pass, the fate of the proposal then lies in the hands of the IRS, which doesn't have the best track record at holding everybody accountable. The same agency which has publicly stated that it does not have the necessary funding to do that properly. Last year, a ProPublica report revealed how years of budget cuts have made it difficult for the IRS to enforce the law, especially when it comes to white-collar crime. According to recently revealed federal data, more than half of the audits issued by the IRS this fiscal year were to people who earned fewer than $25,000. The IRS budget has been has fallen over the years, certainly uh, relative to if, if you adjust for inflation. The IRS uh, has been starved of resources uh, for political reasons. You know, no, nobody likes to pay taxes and you know, one way of making the tax uh, system less of, uh, you know, less of, uh, onerous for taxpayers is to make it harder for the tax system, the tax authority to collect taxes. The, uh, this would uh, impose a new, significant new burden on the IRS because they would, you know, in many cases, these, the wealth of the, these individuals is privately held and would hard to value. And the IRS would have to evaluate, you know, make its own evaluations of wealth uh, to, to, to assess whether people are reporting their wealth accurately. And this is going to take new resources. Uh, the IRS, if, uh, if the IRS doesn't get new resources for this, it's going to have to take them from other activities which are already uh, underfunded. So it, it certainly, I would hope that if, if this law this, if this proposal is, is uh, seriously considered uh, to, to become law, it would, include, uh, it would include additional funding for the IRS along with it. That's something that President Biden has proposed independently. Uh, but certainly if, if this is to pass, then the need for additional funding for the IRS is even greater. Another key issue, how the tax would be implemented. So, could it extend beyond cash to assets? As Auerbach points out. The part of the problem is that it would in, it require people to pay taxes on gains that they haven't yet uh, uh, sold. You know, they haven't sold the assets. The assets are just sitting there. And for some of the people, that's not such a difficult, it's not so difficult to figure out what these assets are worth. If you're Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates and you've got shares in Meta or Microsoft, uh, the stock market can tell us what uh, those shares are worth on any given day. On the other hand, a lot of the company, a lot of the wealth and a lot of the companies uh, held by very wealthy people uh, are private. Uh, they're not traded on stock exchanges. And so their values are much more difficult to determine. And so the, the first hurdle would be figuring out how much wealth there actually is there and how much would have to be taxed. Of course, there are estimates. Um, you know, private individuals have done estimates of, uh, just to give you an example, the Koch brothers, uh, among the wealthiest people in the United States, and their business, main business is, is a privately held company. And so there are certainly estimates of what the Koch brothers are worth, uh, but uh, you know, estimates are estimates. And if you're actually trying to impose 
income tax is a 20% income tax on this amount, uh, you have to get a lot more serious about uh, figuring out how accurate it is. And that would have to be determined by the legislation, what procedure would be used to value individual wealth. Another issue that comes up uh, would be the constitutionality uh, of, the, um, uh, of, the, of the proposal, uh, because this would be the first time that there'd be a large scale tax imposed on uh, capital gains that haven't yet been realized. That is for where assets haven't been sold, where assets have gone up in value, but people are just holding the assets. Uh, we have some small exceptions where we do tax uh, individuals uh, in that way, but we really haven't done it on a large scale. And there have been some arguments that uh, this would be uh, too far outside the bounds of what is considered income uh, and therefore uh, would not be constitutional. That would obviously have to be uh, resolved before the tax could actually be successfully collected. Although the proposal seems well-intentioned, arguably its biggest flaw is that it targets only a small percentage of the country. That would do you know, incredible good. And these are people who it's kind of been determined, or at least is very arguable, aren't paying a fair share or anything um, right, to the country that has allowed them to produce this wealth and created the conditions that allow for it. So 700 people, and Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax would have impacted 0.1% of our taxpaying population. So the other 99.9% it would not affect. Yet these very wealthy are very effective at messaging <laughs> so that the people don't really fully understand this. You have people that have $302 billion that are complaining that they might have to pay more. And I said, for the, and if you have $302 billion and someone made you pay $25 billion, you'd still have $277 billion, which I think I wrote in that article would take someone like 275,000 years to earn if they made the salary of $100,000 a year, right? I mean, it's, it, you can't even get your head around that wealth. And then you imagine the lifetimes it would take you to spend that money living, you know, a very decent life. <laughs> right? You could live 275 or 2,750 lifetimes, right? Living a very, very, very comfortable life. And so the fact that these billionaires want to avoid paying taxes, right, to fund the very things that make it give them the ability to earn wealth, right? They couldn't earn their wealth that they have without an educated uh, workforce, um, without roads and bridges right, um, without a healthy population, yet they don't want to fund these things. They don't want to invest, right? Right, this is just obscene. And it's obscene, again, not just in moral terms, in touchy-feely terms, and in human terms, right, to think that you're complaining when, when, the, when the average American, if they were to have a medical crisis or something, they couldn't afford $400. I mean, studies show this. If they had to pay an emergency that cost them $400, they, you know, it might cost them paying the rent the next month. Many experts think that the odds of Biden's billionaire tax becoming a reality is slim, especially after his fellow Democrat, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, trashed the plan. 
Manchin took issue with the fact that the proposed tax would target more than just earned income. And if you recall, Auerbach told us earlier just how that would work. Since all Republicans are expected to vote against the tax, it is unlikely to move forward without the senator's support. Yet, until we find a way to heal the IRS from its severe budget cuts, many Americans will either be left on hold or anxiously waiting for their much-needed backlogged returns. Now, with all that information in mind, you're probably wondering, is it even possible to have a truly equitable tax system? And if so, what might that look like? Well, Auerbach has an answer for that, too. There are two strategies to follow. One is simply to make the tax brackets more progressive. And uh, uh, that happened under President Obama. That's something that President Biden is proposing. And another is to make the tax base broader so that more income is is subject to tax. And that's what this proposal from President Biden's budget would do. Uh, ultimately, you're not going to, there's a certain extent to which equality is not going to be attainable, uh, in part because you have to leave some economic incentives in place uh, so that people can keep some of the extra income they earn in order to encourage them to, to do it. Uh, but the, we could, one could certainly make the tax system more progressive than it is now through those two strategies that I mentioned. For Libretti, on the other hand, the idea of a more equitable tax base actually seems more attractive than incentives that would allow people to keep extra income. And the benefits are greater than just funding the IRS and making tax season easier all around. I myself as a professor or an associate dean, I make a pretty good salary. I would never complain about it. But at the same time, I can't do my job as a professor without the people who run technology services at the university, without the librarians, without the people who clean my offices, without the people who, who uh, run enrollment services, without the office staff. I couldn't do my job at all. Um, and if we recognize that dependence, I think we'd have to ask ourselves, wouldn't we? <laughs> Like, um, I want that person to, to be healthy and make a living wage because I depend on them. I want that farm worker who now may have to work in a pesticide-ridden field for an unlivable wage. I should want that person to thrive and be well because I depend on that person for my own life. Uh, but we tend not to think that way. This episode of Connect the Dots was written and produced by me, Dempsey Pilot. Odyssey's Lauren Barry and KCBS Radio's Sydney Fishman. With editing by KNX's Cooper Mall and additional editing, mixing, and mastering by KCBS Radio's Mallory Samara, who is also the show's executive producer. You can subscribe to Connect the Dots and listen to past episodes by heading to the Odyssey app or checking us out at Apple and Google Podcasts. From Odyssey's WCBS 880 and 1010 Wins in New York, I'm Dempsey Pollard. Thank you for listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.